cliffcentral.com. Back at it, Property Hour with Khonse. And of course, I'm not alone. I'm with James Beatty as well as Leslie Borland. Uh, guys, say hi to everyone. I mean, new week, new year. Everyone's ready to buy a property. Hello. <laughs> yeah, how's it, Khonse? Thanks for having us again. Hey, people. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been listening and sending us questions. It's good to be back. Yes, guys, today we, we've got such a great show ahead of us. Um, we're going to be talking about our fun experiences, our bad experiences, what goes wrong in the property industry, what doesn't go wrong, and of course, us, you know, we're going to give you that advice. And don't forget to hit us up on WhatsApp, 079-748-2090, as well as tweet us at com. And yeah, guys, hit me up at The Goon. So guys, let's just quickly jump into our conversations. Um... I did mention that uh, we're going to talk about what goes, what could go wrong. Yeah, sure. Uh, when purchasing a property, so yeah, let's quickly jump into that. Go for it, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, there's uh, there are so many things that can go wrong. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> from a legal perspective, from practicalities, houses can burn down, people can die. Yes. Uh, we actually had a case of a guy who uh, the process of the sale had gone through mm. right to the point of uh, um, transfer being done, yeah, deposit had been paid, and uh, yeah, the deal was essentially all complete. And unfortunately, the chap did unfortunately pass away, and it left the. Um, the seller in a, in a quagmire of what he was to do. Obviously, the house had been taken off the market. All the marketing had been, uh, essentially because the deal had been done. The guy had paid a substantial deposit. But owing to the fact that the, uh, the seller was, uh, I mean, a really good guy, obviously he returned the deposit to the family, even though, I mean, legally it was his to keep based on the fact that the deal had been structured and, and signed for. But yeah, look, there's so many things that can go wrong. That's just obviously an extreme version of it. Um, mm. Yeah, but uh, I mean, obviously, we, to avoid those things, uh, the viewing of the house must have been done more than once. Get a feel for exactly what you're buying. Make sure there aren't any uh, defects that you haven't uh, that have gone unnoticed. And yeah, that's essentially where it, where it ends. I mean, uh, you can go like people do not stick to timelines, side agreements that go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deposits not mm. being paid. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's so important to have so many players in the game mm. because. <clears throat> For from a protection perspective, you have the the consultant or, or sales consultant or property consultant who's going to help you and kind of point out some of the things you need to be careful of. But you still get people who try and do things behind your back. So you do get buyers who try and contact the seller directly, try and cut you out of the deal, which of course <laughs> is not ethical <laughs> or legal. <laughs> you get uh, people who sign offers to purchase and don't stick to the agreed dates or timelines thereof and pay and don't pay deposits and you get all sorts of nightmares but that's why we're there that's why the lawyers are there that's why the banks have their own lawyers and all of these people are there to protect everybody involved in the process all right let's talk about early occupation your squatters guys people just rock up and they're like actually i'm ready to move in and you're not ready to have them move in as a as a seller Mm. so what happens yeah i mean that is that's a big 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 nightmare (laughs) nobody wants to find themselves in that kind of situation Mm -hmm. but there is a section in any offer to purchase so when you're buying a new home you depending on circumstances you might need to move in prior transfer so if the seller doesn't mind and they're willing to grant you early occupation they would be entitled to some sort of rent so i'm buying your home but i need to move in before transfer you've agreed to that and we agree for argument's sake on a ten thousand rand rental monthly rental 
There I go, I move into the property, mm. waiting for transfer. I start noticing all the problems with the property that I never saw before. I decide I don't want to move forward with the transaction and I stop paying you rent. And unfortunately, this does happen. Um, and essentially, I become a squatter in that property. Now, there's a whole legal battle and a process that needs to be followed to try and remove these people from your from your home. Um, but it's a real nightmare. Yeah, it's a situation you certainly don't want to find yourself in. Um, and yeah, I mean, the legalities on both sides protecting the, essentially the squatter and uh, the owner. But uh, yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> Again, it all comes down to having done the homework, making sure that everything is done in the, correctly from the get-go. You can avoid situations like that. Let me ask you, James. How do you go about removing one of those squatters? Yes. I want to know that too. <laughs> Good question, Liz. I'm sure a lot of the people would want to know. That's an amazing question. Thanks for asking that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, <laughs> well, we thanks for asking me that question. Right. So, I mean, look, <laughs> obviously... <laughs> You would uh, ideally want to go through your attorneys first mm-hmm. um, and uh, follow that process. Short of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, there's no legal way. That's why I asked you the question. Look, you know, short of that, um, <laughs> you, know, you get onto your property, change the locks and... Uh, and uh, remove a and, door. And r- remove... Yeah, look, I mean, own, owners are entitled to make what they, what they say legally. Owners are entitled to... To make repairs on their property and inspect the property at any time. So in the process of having a squatter, you would obviously need to do everything legally. So consult your attorneys and they'll advise you what you can and can't do. Don't take our word for it. But yeah, it, it can be a real nightmare. I mean, there's people who do all sorts of things. Of course, you can't cut water. You can't cut electricity. You can't do those kind of things. That would be inhumane. But removing a door that needs uh, repairing, possible. I mean, what happens when you remove a door, though? Like, you remove it and then what? Oh, my gosh, we have to move out. We can't live here. Yeah, for sure. That's the point. And then, so, guys, okay, so I've purchased my house, right? Um, now I'm taking, I've decided that I'm going to do early occupation. And then it turns out that I don't actually arrive on that day. And then I come the next day only to find a hobo just chilling because, I mean, the doors were open. There's no door. Like, how do you take it from there? I mean, he's a squatter as well. He's a hobo. Yeah, look, I mean that that can be that that uh, can be resolved quite easily. The the police force will assist mm. you in removing the guy. There's no, you know, with a on the other side of that, which we discussed first. There, there, there's there's complications with legalities. But if somebody illegally squats in your property, you have full rights to remove them. Yeah, and then what about people that don't stick to timelines? Yeah, of course. I mean, oof, that, that that's a real nightmare. I mean, that that's more towards a cash buyer. So you have somebody who says, yeah, great, love the property. Mm. Uh, I want to put in an offer uh, and uh, I have the cash in my account. So, we, you know, within a week, everything can be sort, sorted out and paid over. Great. Sign the offer to purchase. Seller agrees. One week later, only thing we have is maybe a deposit. Mm. So buyer comes up with story. No, I'm waiting for this payment to happen. It's a bit delayed. Give me another week. Seller, of course, keeping in mind that he wants to sell the property, says, yeah, great. I'll give them a week. It's all right. And this process can can go on and on and on, sometimes for two, three months, mm. where there's a, always a story from the, the buyer's side and seller, obviously, hope in hopes that they will one day see the money, mm. continue to give them this extension. So that can be a real nightmare. That's why we, we put, try and put like 
very strict and tight uh, deadlines on all of our contracts to protect both parties, all parties, in fact, involved in the process. Yeah, and an extension can only be offered if it's agreed upon uh, by both parties. Yeah. But, you know, getting into, if you're into, uh, you know, after your second extension, you've got to start sort of looking at the validity of the deal and if you really think it's going to go through. You know, people have, have paid a deposit and they say, well, you know, they just wait on their money to come in from a deal that they've done. For me, with my experience, that's an alarm bell. Um, and, you know, it's start to look at remarketing the home. The deposit that you've paid, that has been paid over to you, if, if the person is in breach of that agreement, the deposit is yours to keep. And the reason for that is obviously the, the potential loss of other sales that you could have done, the marketing expenses that were incurred. So, you know, you are protected in that sense with, with a cash buyer. But, um, again, you know, after, Two extensions, or even on the on the second extension, is when I start sort of questioning the validity of it and whether the deal is actually going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, you always got to be cautious when dealing with cash buyers, you know. Regardless, I mean, mm-hmm. not to mention any names, but I know property consultants who had to pick up buyers from like bus stops and to show them property. And I think you got to start asking yourself some questions when your buyer can't even exactly. yeah, arrive at the property, and you got to pick them up every time. So. Yeah, yeah, just do your own due, due diligence. Yeah. yeah, and always research, man. Yeah. yeah, guys, don't forget to WhatsApp me, 079-748-2090, as well as tweet me at the Goon or at CliffCentral.com. See you guys after this. And we're back. Thank you for joining us. Right here on Property Hour with Jose. Like I said, guys, don't be afraid to tweet me. Tweet me at cliffcentral.com, at the goon, and hit me up on WhatsApp 079-748-2090 with any questions you have. Yes, please don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid, don't guys. Don't be afraid of the sex. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, guys. So can we talk about um, overcapitalizing on a property? So Hunter decides that, hey, I'm going to buy a property and then I'm going to extend my home, you know, like make it look nice and everything and put in a lot of money in it and then actually decide that I'm going to sell it for three times more than the actual price. Is that fair? Sorry, just repeat that again. Liz was distracting me a bit. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I got it, yeah. No, so overcapitalizing on a house. So you've got to look at uh, everything with within... Uh, Oh, what's the word? Jeez, I've run out of words today. <laughs> with with merit, so yeah, that's right. You know, essentially, uh, a lot of the times, overcapitalization would happen on a sectional title where you within a, the confines of a complex, you up against other units with the exact same square meterage, with a relevant market value for the area that you're buying in or selling in. So if you go and, I mean, overcapitalizing, you could be spending and putting in marble tiles, uh, top of the range features, mm. toilets. you know, and <laughs> spending all that money, you would recover, in my opinion, only what you spent. So you'd be able to sell your house at a higher value, but not excessively so where you'd maximize a profit. So if you spend 300,000 rand doing all these uh, features and extras, yeah. that you, you're essentially recovering your money. With a home, uh, with a freestanding home, that's a different 
scenario altogether where you can, you know, if you do structural alterations, that already adds value to your home. Mm. But obviously, within reason, if you're living in a street where the average home is, is selling for 3 million rand, you demolish your current home and build a 20 million rand home, are you going to recover your money? No, you're not. Um, people would obviously associate the size of the house to the area and you, you could get that money in an, in an area that's got equivalent homes. So that's, you, you've got to be obviously look at it within reason. And whether you intend to ever sell the house or live in it forever, if you're going to live in it forever till you die and you want to spend as much money on it as you want, then that's obviously entirely your choice. That's creating your home or your castle essentially. Um, but yeah, uh, you've, you've, you've got to look at it realistically and not think, okay, well, I'm going to put an extra room on this house and I'm going to spend, 300,000 rand doing it, but I'm expecting to recover a million out of it. It's not necessarily going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've seen it time and time and time again. If you're going to build yourself a three-story, 10-bedroom mansion in a terrible area, for argument's sake, and uh, you're expecting to sell, sell it at Sunning Hill or Santon prices, it's not going to happen. You, you need to keep in mind where you're building, what property in that area goes for. And no matter how beautiful the home and how big you make it, you're not going to you're not going to be able to to recoup all of that value. So you've got to be very careful. An extra bedroom, an extra garage, a pool, those kind of things do add s- small realistic value that you can get in the sales price. But an extra five bedrooms, an extra floor, Gold taps, chocolate, marble, bathroom is not going to work. You're not going to get that money back when you sell. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Liz. I mean, I decide to buy a house in Hillbro, for example, and I make it look like the best house ever. Like, <laughs> you know, like this house deserves to be by the beach type of thing. Yeah. I, I'm still not going to uh, get a lot of money from it because yeah, of sure. the area, no, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So people also need to consider the area and where they're building. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So while we're talking about overcapitalizing and we spoke about fittings and investigating first, and I always keep saying that research is very important wherever you want to build, wherever you want to buy, wherever you want to sell, right? Yes, of course. I mean, a buyer needs to obviously do a bit of research before they buy. They need to know what's happening in the area, why they're trying to be in that area, whether it's to be closer to school for the kids, closer to work, or just trying to upgrade from where you're currently staying. Um, you need to do your homework in terms of knowing what the average house of that size would sell for in that area before you put an offer. Um, consult your property consultant. He'll also try and be as honest with you as possible and, and, and let you know. And the seller also needs to be realistic. And that's why they bring us on board to sell their property. And they also need to know what's happening and, and trust us. And we'll manage the process. Yeah, I mean, we've said this so many times. Buying a home is your biggest financial investment that you'd make in your life. So you obviously need to do as much homework as possible. I mean, people research cell phones. Uh, ad nauseum to decide which one they're going to buy. So, mm. and that's, and that's not even an outright purchase. That's a contract upgrade. So when you're buying a house, you've got to do equally, <laughs> if not more, yeah. to make sure you're buying in the right area and, and looking after your uh, financial investment. Now I want us to talk about any crazy sale experiences. Ooh. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot, right? Let's keep it decent, please, James. <laughs> Any crazy sale experiences Who you've dealt with What happened Why And how you guys resolved it Yeah Look I mean <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I've had a couple. I mean, uh, de- dealing with all kinds of different people, you get to have different experiences. And unfortunately, when you're selling, you don't, you can't always get along with the person that you're uh, selling to. Um, mm. But you can still have a prefer- professional relationship with them. Um, yeah, look, I can I can relate back to a story that uh, was not property related. It was more when I was in the motor industry in your early days. Yeah, and uh, I had been having. I'd been having an issue with a particular client and we were kind of at loggerheads of over negotiation and where we were going to be with the deal. And we, we really just didn't gel very well. And, um, I was sitting at my desk, um, and one of my colleagues from internally indicated to me that he was trying to call me on my, my work phone. And so I answered the call and sort of said to him, what's up, you motherfucker? <laughs> and uh, only to realize that it wasn't him. It was actually the client who had phoned in. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and as soon as he said hello, I realized what had happened and uh, obviously had to apologize profusely and try and explain to him that I didn't realize it was him. I thought it was an internal call, which obviously posed more problems for him. He said, because is that how you speak to your colleagues and what kind of environment exactly. is it that you're working in? But it was it was one of the things. And uh, in- inevitably, I sold him a car and we, we managed to maintain a, a healthy relationship, that relationship after that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you, Leslie? Oh, so many. Please tell um, them all. I'll tell you one that I think is... Decent for radio <laughs> Yeah I mean You get all sorts of clients You know I've had difficult clients I've had clients You know I was selling him a unit In a complex Okay So a sectional mm. title So for argument's sake We sign an offer to purchase today For unit one And I go away He's happy I'm happy The following day I receive a phone call Same buyer He says he's changed his mind He still wants unit one, but he doesn't want to put in a straightforward offer on a bond. He would prefer to sell another property and then buy this one with the proceeds thereof. So I had to meet him for the second day, sign a new offer to purchase. Fine. Present that to seller. Seller accepts that. Third day, phones me again. Says he's actually changed his mind. He doesn't like unit one anymore. He wants to put an offer in on unit two. So, Can't wait for day four. <laughs> so we cancel the offer altogether in unit one. We sign an offer for unit two. Good. Some a bit of progress. Two or three days go by without any contact. And uh, over the weekend, he calls me again. He's like, "Yeah, I went to visit the complex and I actually see Unit Seven, which I like more than Unit One or Two. So I'm canceling Unit One or Two and I'm putting an offer in for Unit Seven. But I had to tell him that Unit Seven was already bought by somebody else. He then decides he's canceling the deal altogether because he's not happy <laughs> that the unit that he wanted was already bought. Mm. Fine, cancels the deal. Three, four days later, comes back to me, says no. He wants to go back to his original deal at Unit 1. It will still be subject to sale of his property, but he wants his brother to be the attorney <laughs> to handle the transfer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then? Well, I mean, to cut a long story short, the deal never happened. Um, but you get some crazy buyers. You get people who, you know, if you let them, will push you backwards and forwards and, and all over the place. So you got to be careful. But, yeah, it's an experience and it's fun. Yeah, I'm sure we all have those crazy stories. I mean, I was telling you earlier that... Uh, one of the ladies that I was actually selling her house, she actually wanted to 
give me her rug. She's like, I promise if you sell Persian, my house, Persian I'm going to give maybe. you my rug. And I'm like, what am I going to do with a rug? You know, in my head, I'm like, what am I going to do with a rug? But yeah, I mean, that didn't happen. I could have gotten the rug and sold it. Well, was it a decent rug or a fricotte? I didn't even know. I haven't even, I didn't even see it. You know what a fricotte is? No, tell me. It's that rug that looks like little Maltese poodles have been <laughs> put together. They're horrible. Was the rug to substitute the commission? I don't or? know. Oh, okay. And that's so crazy because imagine if it was... I mean, why would I want to do it? I'd rather take my full on commission <laughs> than take a rug. Yeah, well. So yeah, we deal with a lot of things as property advisors and it's just so crazy. It's a crazy industry. And so, yeah, sales guys. in general, yeah. Yeah. Sales but in general. Mm. Alright guys, so we're gonna have more conversations after this. Don't forget, hit us up on WhatsApp, uh zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero. Tweet me at the goon at LiveCentral.com. All right, um, guys, thank you for your WhatsApps. Um, we have two questions actually. The first one goes Hi, Khonsi, great show. Thank you very much. Um, how long does it take for a bank to approve a loan? Worst case scenario, guys, you're not paying attention. No, we're listening, man. <laughs> we're always here. Um, bond approval, basically. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, banks are so efficient now. It's unbelievable. Shout out to all my banks. But um, bond approval normally, they say, will take 10 days or less. Mm. So you get a pretty good turnaround in terms of bond approval. With us, we have uh, a lovely lady, uh, Sandy, and she helps us with all our bonds. She's a bond originator for Engel and Falkers. So when we sign an offer to purchase, we immediately contact her and she Mm. starts running with the bond application. So you can get an answer very, very quickly. Worst case scenario, I would say 14, 15 days. But banks normally, I mean, you can even get in extreme cases, like a, a two-day turnaround, 48 mm. hours, and they can tell you, in principle, let me just say that, that, yeah, this person will qualify or they won't qualify for the bond. So it's very good. Yeah, because, I mean, they also need to go and check. and It's a business, man. Yeah. I mean, they're making money off the bond too. So it's in everybody's best interest. All right. And we've got a second question. Um, where do you see the property market going this year? <clears throat> well, I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimist. and Let me uh, just say up. <laughs> yeah, t- well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, look, I think uh, based on sales stats from 2015 into 2016, there was a significant drop off in particular areas. But I think that was relative to a lot of the situation that was, I mean, I don't want to go into the political aspect of it, but it does have an influence over it. Um, you know, and, and situations like that do prevent people from spending. It doesn't mean that there's not money here. There is a lot of money here. Um, but guys will just sort of sit back and say, well, let's see what happens over the next couple of months before we do anything or before we invest more money. And look, and obviously a property is an, uh, an appreciating asset and it is an investment. So you want to make sure that the environment that you're buying in is stable and significantly in, uh, enough so that you will see a return on that. Sure. And if the rand is not doing well, then it doesn't make sense to be putting more in there. So yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, and, and that obviously that does affect it, but the rand always recovers. So, exactly. you know, where we were in December 2000, 2016 with uh, sorry 2015 uh, with the change of the finance minister in a couple of days and uh, the rand took a, a hiding um, but over the year it's it's recovered uh, we've seen an upturn in spend and we've seen people far more positive I mean what we've got listed at the moment and the amount of interest that we've got shown in it is significant so I think the mood has changed the the prospect of, of people spending more money is there so 
upward we go and for as long as you are confident South African and I mean look mm-hmm. my theory is don't listen to the news and your life is great mm-hmm. stay positive I did say last to you guys like 2017 new year new week let's buy that property oh by the way it's my birthday tomorrow let's all get excited did you for bring Kunzi. cake <laughs> yay <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> where's, no where's why must I bring my own cake it's my birthday I think after the show we're going and you're buying me cake. Well, look, I mean, you can't really expect too much cake after you dissed all your friends on Facebook and you said you had no <laughs> friends in 2016. I don't know. It's a bit of a tough one. <laughs> Why are we friends on Facebook again? Remind me, James. Because I feel like you know my life Yeah, now. I'll block you now. <laughs> all right, guys. Now, let's just continue with the show. Mm. Um, I want to talk about the image. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean... In the property industry, when you look a certain way, when you drive a certain car, people want to trust you with their money because they say, actually, you're living large. I've got bars. Look at me rap, guys. You know, so let's, 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 let's talk about that, the whole image thing. Well, I think, you know, and that's that whether it's property or whatever environment you're working in, but mm. particularly when you're selling a product. Mm. My philosophy, and, and I stand by it, I've never changed it, is that people gravitate towards successful people. So the image that you portray is is half of the psychological value of what your selling skill is all about. You can have every catchphrase and be as smooth as anything, but if you arrive to a meeting and you're not dressed correctly, um, mm. you're understated, it, it doesn't put somebody off. But it doesn't inspire confidence either. And this is my personal opinion on it. I think for, you know, if I'm dealing with somebody who's selling me something, um, the first things that I will look at is what, what watch she's wearing, uh, what Penny's going to sign a deal with, what car he arrived in. Mm. And that's not fickle or being shallow. That's, that's basing my assessment on how successful the guy is. I want to deal with somebody who's good at what he does. Sure. So if he's selling me a house and he arrives in a Porsche, I'm going to be happy with to deal with him. And not think, oh, well, it's a crime he's made so much money. <laughs> Money in his yeah. life, and why should he be driving a Porsche? And I'm buying the house, and I don't have a Porsche. Mm. That's irrelevant. I mean, there's some guys who make some some seriously good money, and I think and people do associate with brand awareness. I mean, everybody likes mm. to wear a good brand, and everybody associates uh, success with that. So, yeah, I think images is hugely important. I yeah. mean, I mean, Les, you were saying um, earlier that. Mm. Someone bought a house from you because of your car. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it does happen, guys. You know, Mm. you arrive at a meeting. I don't know what the statistics are nowadays. I think it's even shorter than it used to be. I think they make an opinion of you in the first five seconds or three seconds or something now. You know, we live in this instant kind of world. Everything. WhatsApp. I send you a message. I can see when you've read it. Mm. See it's delivered. We want a response now. You don't Mm. respond to my WhatsApp. I'm calling you. What's wrong with you? I've got blue ticks on my phone. You're not responding. You know, so everything's instant. Somebody sees you. They look at how you're dressed. Like uh, James said, they look at your watch. They look at your pen. They look at your car. They already summed you up. They know your life or so they think. And so, you know, when you're doing well or you, you're looking good, you're smelling good, people feel good about doing business with you. And the more expensive, I mean, that is in anything that you're selling, but obviously the more expensive the thing that you're selling is. So when you start selling for the purposes of this uh, conversation property mm. at about 10, 20 million, you can imagine if I'm selling a 20 million rand home or 50 million rand home, which we do have on our books, and I arrive at and I have to walk from the corner. My shoes are dusty. Mm. I'm sweating. Mm. And I get and I'm telling this guy about a 50 million rand house. He's not going to give me the time of day. He's not interested. True. You know what I mean? 
But if I arrive there in my tailored suit, my Hublot watch, you mm. know, my Montblanc pen, mm. the guy's listening. He understands that this is what I do. This is I'm the expert in this kind of price bracket. I know what I'm talking about. Jeez, you have Conce there. You mentioned Mont, <laughs> you mentioned Mont Blanc, and I feel like there's love in the room. <laughs> you see, just, just the words carry power. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Mm. yeah, because I'm thinking. I mean, I'll rock up there in my little car, and I I look good, I smell mm. good, and I I speak well. What chances are there that they'll they'll buy a house from me? Do you know no, what I mean? I mean, it's all an image, guys. Look, mm. there's two sides to every coin. You know, we're talking about some brands, some heavy brands. Not everybody can wear Gucci, Louis Vuitton, or whatever. Mm. Especially when you're, you're you're starting. Let's say you're new in the industry, but you want to look good as well. You want to portray a certain image, and there's nothing wrong with your lower. It's not a lower end store, but your 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 decent stores. Like if you buy a woolly suit, you mm. know it still looks good. Nobody knows it's a woolly suit if you're buying the right size for your body, you're wearing it the right way, and you're confident in what you're wearing, and you put your colors together and stuff. People don't know. It doesn't have to be a tailored suit. Yeah, it doesn't know? have to be a brand. It's about it the presentation. A, exactly. It's about how you present yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's that program on uh, on TV, the Million Dollar Listing. Yes. And there, I mean, these guys obviously dealing in, uh, I mean, obviously a million dollar plus uh, establishments to sell. Their image is primarily what they would focus 90% of their aspect of selling is all about. Mm. So these guys will spend the money on having the tailored suits. They spend the money on the cars. They spend the money on the events that they do to, to market and launch a house. And, I mean, it's quite an interesting program to watch if you haven't watched it where, you, I mean, you get a fair indication or an idea of what the negotiation process is between buyer, seller, um, and put, and, uh, you know, and that, uh, the negotiation around that and how guys will come back with counter offers and how people are quite st- strict or uh, not strict, uh, fixed in their, um, position on it. So it gives you, it gives you a good idea, but also primarily just to look at how these guys market themselves and how they keep themselves looking at pristine at any time that they're, you know, that, that that's half of their selling technique. And on that show, they spend a lot of money. They spend, they a, spend lot a lot of money. Of money. Yeah. That's an investment in yourself. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, your brand is your business. So when you're spending money on good clothes, good cologne, you know, your car installments, whatever mm. car it might be. And even if it's not the biggest and most expensive car, you can do things like keeping it clean. Take your car to the car wash. Yeah. Arriving in a clean car says something about you, you know. True, so you're yeah. investing in yourself as a brand. And I mean, so much so, you know, when I was working in Dubai, I worked with this guy. And he went to the point of buying luxury watches on like a lay-by kind of system that's how it works in dubai he would buy like hublots and rolexes and pay monthly installments on these watches just to portray a certain image to Mm. these clients i mean these clients are arriving in rolls royces and things like that and he's trying to say give me your money invest with me Mm. i'm also i'm doing well so i'm not saying we we need to go to that extent yeah (laughs) (laughs) no yeah not to that extent but i'm just saying like it's it's a serious thing just say mont blanc pen again i just want to see if (laughs) replies and say "Mm." All right, guys, I want us to continue uh, having this conversation about the whole image yeah. and the look. Um, but before we continue, we've got three questions, actually. Mm. Okay, well, the other one is not a question. It just says, oh, and I agree, image is everything. Um, hi, guys, it's Matapo. Great show once again. Just a quick one on repossessed homes. Um, is it relevant to get one? What? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah. Yeah, look, 
homes that have been repossessed and gone up for auction or on sale by the um, owner who's repossessed the property, there's there's two. It's a twofold scenario. One, you can pick the house up at a, at a lower than market value, um, depending on the condition of the house, and that's mm. that's very much where the criteria comes in. That you, as a as a first time buyer, or even as a buyer of a home like that, you need somebody to walk around with you and and go through that home extensively. What happens to people when they going to have their homes repossessed? A lot of fittings get ripped out. Air conditioning gets taken with light fittings. Mm. Um, Take whatever yeah, they I mean, can. Taps, yeah. whatever. And be it whether because they, they just want to use it somewhere else or whether it's just for, for just see, <laughs> yeah. uh, pretty much, yeah. hey, man, I'm angry. You're taking my house. I'm taking my shit. Yeah. Um, and that's so that you have to be hugely cognitive of when you when you look at something like that. You got to make sure that you know what you're buying, and if you're getting it at a really reduced price, you got to factor in what you're going to have to spend to get mm. it back up to spec. So in a situation like uh, when, um, my brother actually bought a home like that, and all the air conditioning had been taken out, there was a lot of uh, building defects on it. The guy had, had was essentially building the house himself. He ran out of money, defaulted on payments, house was taken away. So he got the house at a great price, but he had to factor in a million rands worth of uh, repairs yeah. um, to get it up to spec. And he, I mean, the deal still worked out very favor- favorably for him, but you've got to make sure that you've done all your homework. Mm. Yeah. All right. And I've got another one here. It's not a question, guys. It just says, hi, Khonsu. Please send me a shout out because I'm so great. Okay, hi, shout out to you, Lerotu. You are amazing. And someone wished me an early happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. glad Lerotu put her name in there. I thought you were going to say, give me a shout out. Like, yeah, <laughs> shout out to whoever you are. All right, guys, we're going to oh, continue the, <laughs> the conversation of um, looking good, smelling good, image, driving those nice cars so that the guys with the big money can buy houses from us. Yep. Um, don't forget to WhatsApp me, 079-748-2090, as well as hit me up on Twitter, at the Goon and at CliffCentral.com. All right, we're back. And thank you guys once again for hitting me up on 079-748-2090 with all your questions. So, yeah, Les, let's just continue with the whole image look and the conversation we were having. Yeah, sure. I mean, I didn't even answer that point. Yes, you didn't. But, yeah, it did happen to me once where, you know, I arrived to a meeting to show a property and... uh, I won't mention any brands, but I, my car was slightly better than the car of the potential buyer. And uh, he went on to make a joke about it when I arrived to say, you know, before I even see the property, I'll probably buy it from you based on the car you drive. And he laughed. Mm. And ultimately, he ended up actually signing with me and, and purchased the property. Now, whether it was because of the car, as he said, or whatever that might be, but I, I think there's always some truth in, in a joke, you know. And so I do just just to solidify the point we're trying to make, and that image is that image is very very important. Yeah, and oh, we have another question. Khonse, um, it's all great and well when you smell good and dress good. Oh, and dress well and looking like a million dollars. But why is it that if I am the one buying and I look nothing like the price tag, people won't take me seriously? So, 
So what we must I don't think so what No, no, we, I think I think that But I'm not yeah. done, guys Stop oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wow So what we must What wow. we must link up All looking Oh, so we We must all hook up Looking Just like get a, a reload dollars. On that screen So <laughs> yeah. she can follow the line <laughs> Even if I have the money Yeah that's a long ass question. Yeah, even if I have the money, question mark? No, I think I, I read it okay. wrong. You know, no, I, mean, I, I think I've got it. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. basically what she's yeah. asking is, um, it's a he. No, oh, sorry, um, that uh, them don't read the bu- bu- judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. So as a as a potential buyer, the the job of the of the salesperson, the relevant person, is to qualify the client. And that doesn't mean because he doesn't drive a Ferrari and he arrives to buy a home for mm. six million rand that he can't afford the house. Because if you've done enough and you know how to gauge a situation and to ask the right questions, you'll be able to source the information from that person. A lot of people don't, I mean, they, they don't associate, uh, branded clothes as part of being their part of their persona or what defines them. So. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think you should be. Nobody would be ever overlooked, and if they were, it would be an amateurish salesperson dealing with that situation. Yeah, man. I mean, I say if you look at that that scenario, the the sales rep or the salesperson or the consultant, whatever you'd like to me to call them, they're trying to portray a certain image. Okay, so they need to look professional. They need to look a certain way, and and all of that because. They're the ones who are trying to get you interested in dealing with them. When you're the buyer, on the other hand, you're the one with the money. If you like the property, you'll purchase the property. I don't really care whether you come in your underwear and flip-flops. You know what mm. I mean? That that doesn't make or break the deal for me. All that matters is whether you can afford it or not. And that will come out in the offer to purchase when we apply to the banks for the bond or whether you're a cash buyer, whether you're able to, to, to part with that cash in a, in a certain amount of days. So I don't think it's the case where people should judge you based on how you look. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people do complain about that. And James, especially in the motor industry, I mean, if I think when I first started and, and I was buying my first car, you know, and I walked into, for example, a dealership where vehicles are high-end vehicles, they do kind of look at you sideways. And if you don't look a certain way, mm. the sales reps don't really want to deal with you because they don't think you can afford the car. Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, that, but that's, again, I mean... <clears throat> That's amateur hour when somebody associates that with somebody who's taken the time to arrive at a dealership or to a viewing of a home. They wouldn't have taken the time out of their day to get there if they were there for a for a haircut. Um, they they were interested <laughs> yeah. in what you got to sell, yeah. so you got to assess and address yeah. accordingly. No matter how that person is dressed, I mean it's uh, it's up to the salesperson yeah. to define that. But uh, we're w- referring more to what we were talking about as the salesperson's mm. presentation. There is a certain level that has to be maintained. Yeah, sure. All right, we're gonna go back to that. We have another question. Is it normal for the Lisa to have? Um, to ask for six months advance deposit if I'm renting. No, it's not normal. No, <laughs> no freaking ways. I even know that. <laughs> no, I mean, standard when you're renting is, yes, there would be one month's rent as a mm. deposit. And then you do pay your first month as well. So basically, when you're moving into a property, it will be double. Double the double rent. rent. Yeah. Exactly. So if it's six months, I'm sorry, baby girl, they are cheating you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, nobody. That's not. That's not common. That's not practice standard practice. Mm. Yeah, no. And the the way to avoid anything like that is to go through a reputable agent. Correct. If yeah, you yeah. you don't want to be dealing directly with the owner of that facility as a rental, exactly. because the the legalities behind it, they're not going to have the contracts as drawn up. You have got no protection. Whereas an mm. agent acts on your behalf, well they will go as well as the landlord. And and so that any disagreements can be uh, amicably 
dissolved and agreed on true, quickly. True, true, uh, true. If you move into a house as a rental and you don't have an agent looking after you and a guy's asked you for six months up front, you arrive and you switch on the tap, the shower head <laughs> falls off, and when you flush the toilet, the sink fills up. Uh, who are you going to go fight with? Yeah. The man you've just paid six, six months in advance, he's going to say, well, I've got your money. You know, and, yeah, uh, true. Let's, no let's drag this out. So, yeah, um, last question for the day. Um, it says, yeah, I see you guys on the website and you guys have tattoos. Is that okay for you guys to have tattoos at work and you guys are property advisors? I mean, do they not spot it? Is it fine? I've got a tattoo, by the way, as well, guys. It's so tiny, but yeah, let's talk about it. Don't want to be left out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, look, I mean, tattoos. So, I mean, I've been tattooing myself uh, for almost 20 years. And it's a form of expressionism that has become far more uh, socially acceptable in True. society at mm. the moment. It doesn't define you. So, you know, it was always associated with gangs, hell's angels, people who've been in prison, jail, yeah. uh, <laughs> drug dealers, jail. Mm. It, you know, that, that was a, the natural association with tattoos. Whereas now, I mean, worldwide, uh, people are using it as a form of, ins- uh, of expression. It is your, your body. Um, I happen to have a full sleeve busy work here on the second one. Um, but when I present for work, my sleeves are rolled down, um, and they're not on show, uh, mm. because it, it, it can have, you know, when you say it, it, it doesn't define you, but it can, from a person who's met you for the first time, mm. still may compartmentalize you or associate you with something, be put off by, by that dealing. But what I've found over, over my selling experience is that as I get more comfortable with the person that I'm dealing with and, and we get into a point of professionalism where the relationship can become a little bit more relaxed, you know, people always ask and they say, Oh, I see you've got tattoos and you explain to them what they're all about. And I mean, it, again, it's very much a personal thing. So you divulge, divulge some personal information as to why you chose to do a particular tattoo and it does it does help break the ice but um yeah it it doesn't affect your work as long mm. as you Just you depends. know you, um, you keep it professional and yeah. uh, i mean in the event that you're meeting a client for the first time or and who they are who and who with. they are yeah. that you know you, if your sleeves are down and you don't show them off uh that's fine and so you can still have the uh, the opportunity to express yourself with tattoos, but still be a professional in your in your business environment. But let's just be honest, you guys have tattoos because you think they're just cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> you just think they're so cool, and let's just get some Can't tattoos. Can't you turn her, Michael? <laughs> 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 she's got a t- teeny tiny little one, and she's having one tomorrow. It's her birthday. I love boo boo on my forearm. I don't know. <laughs> Not so sure whether it's the right move. Yeah. You can't really say thanks, my friends, because you don't have any. You cancelled them all on Facebook a few days ago. <laughs> don't do that. I'm actually going to apologize today because tomorrow's my birthday. Say sorry, otherwise you're not going to get cake. Yeah, I want gifts. <laughs> Thank you guys all for choosing us and listening to Cliff Central and Property Hour with Honsi with my amazing co-hosts, James and Leslie. Look out for the apology video later. She's going to do, do a soldier boy. <laughs> and yeah, let's just all wish me a happy birthday, guys, before I leave. Happy Even you, Balisa. <laughs> Let's just say happy birthday, Khonsa, and we're done. And then we, we play a song and the show is done. Yeah, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> I feel so great. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, catch you guys soon. Right here on Property Hour with Khonsa. Bye, guys. Mwah.